We're good. Welcome to Smarten Up with JP and Fab, where today we're going to talk about uh, what the hell is uh, understanding your investments. Yeah, like pr- primarily we're going to talk about maybe even a little bit of a debate. Stocks versus a rental property. Stocks right? versus we, real estate. Yeah, we get this question all, all the time. And, you know, um, I'll pre-qualify my answer. It, it really freaking depends. Like it depends. On, it depends on a couple of different factors. I personally like both. Um, if you can get in on both, that's my answer. But let's actually talk about the differences between the two. So I'll let you start with real estate because oh, that's okay. what you know. So yeah, wh- why do I invest in real estate? I mean, real estate to me is is a crazy investment and it, it allows you to do so much. And, and because I understand the real estate market in Ontario uh, pretty well, um, with supply, demand, and interest rates. Those are key factors I look at. I'm comfortable with it. I'm, I'm comfortable with housing prices where they are right now and how they're going up, and I understand why that's all happening. I need 20% down to get in on a real estate investment. If I buy something at 500,000, I need 100,000. When I invest in that, that 100,000, I play a game called four up, two down. And I just look at appreciation in a, in a normal market at 4% on real estate. Right now we're seeing nine consecutively for 10 years in Hamilton. And I think last year, all of frigging Ontario was like 30% increase. It's ridiculous, yeah. So I look at 4% appreciation rate, and then I look at approximately a 2% pay down on the principal debt each year. So that's my four up, two down, and then I play cash flow. So 500 grand, if it goes up 4%, I make, 20% 20% on your whole, on yeah, my hundred thousand. Yeah. So I'm at 20% right now, 2% down. I'm at 10%. So now 20 plus 10 is 30%. I look at cash flow, Even if I make $200 a month, that's $2,400 a year. That's 2.4%. I'm at a 32% return on my money. Um, and I, I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's a, <laughs> and that, that's the thing. When I look at when I look at any investment, I, I try to put the blinders on, and I'm like, this is a a cash outlay right now, in exchange for a series of cash flows down the road, right? And how the, that series of cash flows comes to me, it could be in the form of capital gains, rents, royalties, dividends, whatever, right? I'm looking at it from a net after tax cash flow perspective. So, you know, people like, hey, I'm going to get on. Th- that's the first thing I'm looking at. So people often say, hey, I can get in on this mortgage, um, these private mortgages for 10%. And I'm going to make 8 to 12% on, on this. I'm like, okay, so number one, that's coming in. Um, eight to twelve percent. So let's call it ten percent. So I'm getting ten points on on my dollar, right? And they're like, "Oh, that's going to kill the stock market, or or it's going to kill a GIC." I'm like, "Okay, that's great. Yes, theoretically it is. That's coming in hundred percent tax rate, right? Like that that's fully taxable. So if you're at the highest marginal tax rate, your ten percent goes down to like four point seven percent or whatever it is, four point eight percent. That's your actual return on investment. There's no sheltering of the of the income there." Whereas with real estate, one of the beautiful things about real estate, it's actually a natural tax shelter, 
right? Because most of the gain on the real estate comes from capital appreciation over time, right? You're borrowing about 80% to buy that piece of land or that piece of property, yep. right? The cap rates nowadays are not that <clears throat> high. Like you're, you're getting like two, 3% cap rate. So you're not paying a lot of tax on the rents. And you can shield the tax on the rents with CCA, which once again, it's, an, it's a legal tax uh, shelter. You're not really paying the tax until you actually sell the thing. And it's, you might not even want to sell, sell the thing. It's, right? it's, it's ridiculous. You might want to, there's techniques we can use yep. to pass it on to the next generation without having to get hammered in tax. Completely. Right? So that's the beautiful thing about real estate that I like. You, get, you can potentially get a very high return on investment because it's acceptable to put leverage on it. When you boil real estate down um, to its just individual components and you get rid of leverage, right? And, and nobody really does get rid of leverage. Everybody no. uses leverage. But when you get rid of leverage, you know, you're comparing stocks and real estate. They're kind of the same thing, right? Without a doubt. Right? It's if you get rid of leverage and you get rid of rents and then you get rid of dividends on stocks, they really shouldn't theoretically move much differently from each other over the very long run, yep. right? Um, so the thing about real estate is because, you know, you need to be rewarded because you're you're taking on debt and you have to do something. you got to put a tenant in there. you got to manage the property. you got to fix it once in a while. It's not a huge endeavor in my opinion. Um, to some people it is, but in my opinion, it's not that big of an endeavor, especially if you have one or two rental properties. You need, to, But you need to be compensated for that that action that you're taking. So it's almost like a side business. Right. Whereas we flip over to stocks, especially nowadays with ETFs and, you know, the technology available, it, it's really easy to invest in stocks. Yep. Whereas before it was it was kind of difficult. You had to open a brokerage account, you had to have enough money for a broker to talk to you and so on and so forth. Now it's really it's you could take your money, put it into stocks, close your eyes, come back in 30 years when you're ready to retire and your money's there right? Um, as long as you can understand that the fluctuation in price is temporary and not permanent. I mean, if, if the stock market crashed permanently, we'd be in a pretty big, there'd be other issues that we'd, we'd have to be worrying about, right? Sure. Um, as long as you can accept that there's going to be fluctuations in the price, you should be well off in the end. The only issue is applying leverage to stocks, although possible like there's a lot of banks out there that'll give you an investment loan you're not going to get the same kind of leverage um as real estate or or necessarily or, or comfort right. i would i would not take a five hundred thousand dollar mortgage on the stock market right versus real estate yeah unless you're like super like a person like me yeah i, I would be fine with that because if the stock market dropped 30 percent tomorrow I really, it really would not affect me right? because I've been in the game for so long and I've seen it for so long that I'm like, I'm just I'll probably just buy more. Right. Right. But psychologically, you know, it's very easy to sit there and show people a chart and say, Hey, if you held it for 40 years and not sold it, you'd go. But even people, you know, I've been doing this for, for over a decade now, even people who are very experienced investors panic and hit the sell button when the market crashes more than 10%. Right. Even very experienced. Whereas you can't do that necessarily with properties. You can't press a button and sell. But on the flip side, if there is a huge drop in real estate prices and you've over leveraged yourself, for example, 
and bought too much real estate, which is a situation that happened in 1989, 1990 here in, in the GTA, you might get stuck with a bunch of illiquid assets. Right. And that's kind of the trade-off, right? Completely, for sure. So, so I think that my point is, um, I like both, but real estate, you have the trade-off in, in that it's not liquid. You're gonna have a bit of concentration risk because to buy a property, you're stuck with that area, right? You you buy a property in Hamilton or you buy a property in Oakville or you buy a property in Toronto. You better be pretty sure that area is gonna appreciate over time. Whereas with stocks, I can say, press a button, I can buy the S&P 500 and I'm getting Amazon, Google, Facebook, uh, you know, all these massive companies that that are, are well-established, well-capitalized. And literally in one shot, I can buy 500 stocks. Yeah, it's, it's difficult to do that. You could do that with real estate by buying a REIT, but it's difficult. I think some of the some of my holdbacks on the stock market are one, and this is this is over the last couple of years, everything is way overvalued. Real estate is overvalued, but not based on supply and demand and interest. On the stock market, all these companies are trading at. 10 times they're, they're, they're worth more than that. 30, look at Tesla, what Tesla's trading at. Yeah. So that's one, but even even more so, This is I've always gone to this with, look, I got to rely on the accounting department, the CFOs, the CEOs, the auditors. I know a lot of auditors. And, and you remember when you were doing some of your, like that is a lot of people. Then I got to worry about like market conditions, um, that something or competitors coming in, uh, there's so many different things for, for investing in stock market that if I were to do it serious, I just play right now that I would have to use a manager because I am too emotional when it comes to it. And I don't understand it the way I understand real estate and real estate. I'm just so comfortable right now because of my knowledge in it. Yeah. And real estate is one market. Without right? a doubt. So you can focus in on that particular market and you could over time build diversity by going into different areas and, and whatnot. I think the thing with stocks is, you know, it, mathematically speaking, you have to have whatever it is, 20, 25 positions um, in order to theoretically eliminate a company specific risk. So let's say, for example, like, like a, a Tesla or whatnot, a company where the CEO, um, chairman of the board, whatever it is, there's one key player that can really affect the the price of the stock. Whereas the reality is that if, you know, someone like, um, you know, uh, what's his name? Tesla there, uh, Elon Musk. Yeah. If he were to drop dead tomorrow, the company would continue. There yeah. are checks and balances within the company to ensure that there, the company would continue. However, the, the, the stock price would tank. Without a doubt. Without a doubt, would tank yep. right off the bat. So there's these specific risks in these industries. And then, you know, buying stocks. I, I cannot, as an investment advisor, be an expert on the banking industry, the mortgage industry, the tech industry, the this industry, the that industry. And I also can't be an expert on all the different stock markets of the, in the world, right? So <laughs> there's going to be, you know, I'm very comfortable with, let's say, Canadian stocks because there's it's a small universe of stocks and I don't really feel that I need a manager to to help me with that and 
you know, I can buy some stocks that the client knows and understands and pays a dividend and it's a market leader. And the same with like a lot of US stocks. But when you're going international and you want that diversification, you know, you might want to go to an ETF or to a manager to offload that that knowledge because it's impossible to know all these different markets. And I think that's one of the benefits and drawbacks of, of stocks in the sense that, you know, you can make a crap ton of money in stocks if you had a time machine and you went back in time and bought, you know, let's say, you know, a handful of tech stocks Apple. and they, yeah, you know, <laughs> Apple 30 years ago or whatever it is. Yeah. But um, you, that that's, that's not the prudent way to do it, right? You need diversification so you can get diversification, but when you diversify, you're trading some future earnings for yeah. diversification. Whereas with, Real estate, it's more along the lines of, you know, when you're buying, and when we say real estate, we're not buying like a trust or, or a partnership. We're buying a property, hard right? Asset, yeah. You're buying a hard asset, a property, a piece of land. And the, the thing about real estate in, in, uh, in, as opposed to stocks is stocks, there's almost theoretically an infinite supply of, of stocks. If somebody creates a new technology, they create a new company and issue it on the stock exchange. There's a finite amount of inhabitable, inhabitable land on earth. So the stock to flow per se is very similar to a commodity with a, a finished product on it. If you think of it like that. Yeah, for sure. So you cannot just go and create new land. It's hard to create new land. You have to clear cut. You have to get a government uh, approval. Then after you get government approval, you have to get the money together to buy the land. Then you have to clear cut it and prep it. Then you have to build houses. And th there's a whole process to it. Right. You can't just create it out of thin air. So I think that that's what um, helps with the supply demand, right? Because if the demand increases, in a, let's say in a situation like Canada, where the net immigration is high and people are bringing money in, they got to live somewhere, mm -hmm. right? So the demand increases, but the supply doesn't increase and i think you're going to be going on um tom and nick's podcast to talk about that so, kind of yeah. stuff as well, well. I, I mean the, the the election coming up um or the election that passed depending on when this podcast is, yeah. is released um you know these these campaigns talking about what they're going to be building you know a million houses 1.4 million 500,000 in the next three years um you know that the, they're all hitting the canadian parties are all hitting real estate supply they know that's where the issue is um we're, we're going to comically see where where it goes for all three of them because we i don't see how it's physically yeah possible. when you when a party tells me they want to build a million homes yeah. okay well there's a lot of practical you know you're not going to be doing that you're, you're just going <laughs> to start the process in your four-year term so how long are you, how long is this party going to be in, in power for to, to see that play out right I, I, like, I, don't, I, I know. don't know is it all lip service or I, I don't know I don't want to get yeah. into politics I'm not it's, I don't like to voice my 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 opinions on politics publicly but I don't you know. know. I think it's. I think it needs to be done, though. Yeah, I think something is, like that is. It's. Pe it's people are people are kind of misled here, and and it, it's just funny how how are is Trudeau building houses? Is like is I, I he out it. there with a hammer? Because it it's Tridel or O'Toole for that yeah, matter. These like, guys, right? there's out of during the pandemic, there was one industry that that thrived amongst everyone else, and that was the construction industry. There is no labor out there and housing is through the roof. 
why, how, who, where, how the hell is this happening that they think they're going to build a million houses? Try, they're going to go after the big guys to say, guys, can you help us? Those big guys already have their own projects. They like they're and they're planned no, for like I said they're planned probably for ten years. Of next course decade, they are right. Like, so how they plan to do this now? The, the government helped Tridel back in the eighties when when the market tanked back then. So there might be some favors due from some of these builders, um, but I, I mean we're talking we're talking a million homes and. and that normally gets done in the current pace in Ontario, you know, over over like three years. So they think that they're going to come in and make that happen right now over the next three years. Well, it takes like two years to start a building. And then it takes another three years to do that. And it's just not, it, I mean, it's all smoking. Yeah, from, right from beginning to end for this, a condo project. Yeah. Right. Let's say you get in You're on six, a condo. Seven years. Yeah. Like, like it's it's just to build. Like you guys are building a house. Just yeah. One house. One house. It's, it's going to take, take you two years. One hundred percent. Right. That's one house. <laughs> so I'm just uh you know once yeah. again I don't know I would never be a politician because I just um I'm just not that good at they're lying, all they're but, all saying yeah. the same crap though yeah they're so, all saying the same thing and I and yeah. they they understand that that we need this but back to like the main topic. I think that it's when considering somebody who wants to invest, when considering a, a property, like being a, a landlord, owning a rental property versus the stock market, number one, I, they're not mutually exclusive. That's that's the first point that, I, that I'm saying. You don't have to do one over the other. Oh, for or sure. You, they may be mutually exclusive if you don't have the money for both. Right. And if you don't have the money for both, I think you should go through like your a little checklist in the sense that, all right, you know, are you comfortable taking on leverage? Are you comfortable taking on uh, a mortgage? All right, if you are, check for real estate. Are you right? comfortable dealing with tenants? Are you comfortable dealing with tenants? Right. Okay, check. Right. Are you comfortable, you know, doing some repairs or getting a repair person to go over? And are you comfortable managing a property? Yeah. Check. All right. Then are you comfortable, let's say, buying a property and maybe not having a tenant for being negative cash flow for a month or two, mm -hmm. right? Or your tenant doesn't pay and you have to, you have to make some court filings to get them kicked out or whatever. So are you comfortable with all that stuff? That's all checks for real estate. On the flip side, do you want liquidity? If you want liquidity, you cannot be in real estate because it's completely, it's the definition of illiquid, right? right? It's a very illiquid uh, it's a very illiquid investment. So if yep. you want a liquidity, you've got to be in stocks, bonds, traditional sort of investments. Yeah, you can click a button. You can't sell your house by clicking a button. Exactly, Correct. right? Um, are you fine with temporary fluctuations in the value? Of, because there are temporary fluctuations in the value of real estate. You just don't see them. Without a doubt. You don't yeah. see them. So psychologically, it's easier to, to, to handle. So are you fine with temporary fluctuations? If your stock portfolio drops t tomorrow by 10%, are you going to hit sell? If you're going to hit sell, stay away from stocks. Right. If you don't care and you're holding for the long term, then that's a check for stocks, mm -hmm. right? Are you looking to use, utilize TFSAs and RSPs? Like you're a T4 employee and you don't want to be bothered and wasting time and you want the tax benefits. Then real estate is not really the solution for no. you. It's more stocks. I think you, right? you like nail on the head right there. Um, 
yes personality it's personality yeah i mean uh, employees getting that money from an rsp deduction on your tax return uh is is 40 to 50 percent depending on your tax bracket and that's immediate in in filing your taxes you just made 40 percent so i rsps for stock market investments 100 percent yeah if you're, especially if you're a T Ford employee earning really, really good income, yeah, because then what you could theoretically do is make the RSP contribution, get the tax benefit, and you still have fifty three percent of that contribution, which you can invest in a real, in estate, real estate portfolio. Yep, right. So I think it's a combination of um, understanding both well, and then, if possible, doing both to some extent. Right. Right. But if it's if they're going to be mutually exclusive, then really understanding that um, there's a, a bunch of checks that you have to check for real estate, a bunch of checks for stocks. And, and it's really a personality thing yeah. after that. How long did it take you to get into real estate? Because you were, I mean, you were a huge, you were worse than me when we first started. When I first started, because I didn't understand real estate, I was working in the mutual fund and hedge fund and private equity sectors. I never really worked in real estate. I never put the, the math, you know, like I said, I was doing all financial services. Yep. Then I got into real estate after and I, I really liked it. I still really like stocks though, too. Right. Um, you, you know, I like a combination of, um, you know, I, I say to everybody, I like a combination of stocks in Canada. I like um, life insurance instead of fixed income. Um, and I like uh, real estate also in Canada. And I'm looking like I'm looking at some some south of the border. It's a broader market. Um, might be stranger to get into, but a lot of like super high net worth people are starting to get their money together, and they're looking at opportunities, um, more cash flowing opportunities, more right. so than uh, here in Canada. I think we're looking for capital appreciation, but they're looking at cash flow opportunities in the states. Mainly because I think in the states it's more prolific to it's more uh, common for people to rent for their whole lives. Well, okay, you know what okay. I mean. So you can get these these cash flowing properties that whatever they'll go up in over time, but you're really getting a good cash flow because people will just rent. Families will rent their entire life, and they're like they're never going to buy anything, right. right? Which may also be happening in the GTA and in Vancouver and these sort of areas where people are priced out of the market in, in the next, in the next couple of years, we'll see. Yeah. So awesome. So I guess that's our thing with stocks and I, I really don't have a better one. It's really depends on the personality of the individual and their current situation. Real estate's better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. I'll pick stocks. I like stocks better. All right. There yeah. we go. There done. The end. <laughs>